Zigzag and One, a place where we honestly discuss how to embrace the zigs and the zags in our crazy lives. Running away is not an option. Living in defeat is not an option. Instead, learning how to keep moving forward is what we'll do together, one nugget of wisdom at a time. Your host is Melanie Brown. She's navigated a few zigs and zags in her life with the determination to never give up. Expect great stories and lots of laughs. Are you ready? Let's do it. Welcome to the Zigzag and One podcast. I'm your host, Melanie Brown. When I asked Brenda and Bernadette to join me to share their journeys of overcoming breast cancer, I had no idea we'd have so much fun. These survivor sisters fell into the BRCA1 gene statistics, but they chose a positive attitude when each zigzag hit. You'll hear how living in defeat wasn't an option for either of them. Join my conversation with the Survivor Sisters. I am so excited today to have two incredibly special guests. These ladies are friends, and they have a story that you've got to hear. There's so much twists and turns and zigs and zags. And so I'm going to introduce these two ladies to you. Brenda, welcome. Thank you, Melanie. It's good to be here. Bernadette, welcome. Good to be here, Melanie. Thank you so much. All right, ladies. So we're going to be talking about the diagnosis that both of you have in common and your journeys. So because, Brenda, you were diagnosed first, let's start with you. So tell me a little bit about the backstory before the diagnosis and then the journey going forward. And I'm going to apologize in advance because I'm sure I'm going to interrupt you and ask further questions. All right, Melody. Well, here we go. Uh, my name's Brenda. I basically was, <clears throat> I'm a mother of two girls, and I had just had my second child. Her name's Rory. Um, she was four months old. Um, I was working in the emergency room, because I'm an emergency room nurse, and um, I had forgotten my breast pump. <laughs> and while I was there, I basically um, had to try to relieve myself because I don't know if you've ever been a lactating mother, but um, it's very, very uncomfortable. <laughs> yes, I have. And it is extremely uncomfortable when it's time to pump. So here I am in the bathroom of my ER in between patients trying to relieve myself because I had forgotten my breast pump and I felt a lump. Um, I didn't think anything of it at the time. I called my doctor the next day and she said, oh, sometimes women can get a you know, benign um, gross related to lactation. So I said, okay. She goes, come in, we'll get it checked. So I went in and got it checked. She really couldn't figure out what it was. Um, sent me to a breast surgeon, did a mammogram while lactating. Still not very fun. <laughs> oh my goodness. I cannot even imagine. Oh, wow. Um, anyways, long story short, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, by the time they staged it, it was uh, stage three due to size. It was probably about the size of a lemon when it started. So, wow. Yeah. And while you were a young, mo- a young, young mom. Working. Work- raising, yeah. Yes. Yes. So tell me a little bit more about what happened after that. After you were diagnosed, what did your treatment look like? Um, well, after I was, believe it or not, my sister was actually living with me when I got diagnosed. That was a very hard day, um, because 
I guess knowing that I'm an ER nurse, it wasn't one of those things where like, hey, can you come back to the office? They basically told me on the phone. Um, and that was just a really horrible day. But um, after that, it, it was just crazy um, because I had so many things that were scheduled in one week. Um, it was, you know, go and have your heart checked. Go and have, um, you know, a full body CAT scan or something like that. I mean, they just had to make sure there were no mets anywhere else. And um, there was just a lot of different uh, studies that had to be done. Um, and <clears throat> after that, we I met with the oncologist and we decided it was chemo. So then I started chemo. And how long was your chemo treatment? I was on chemo from about October to, I believe, April. And then after that, I had surgery probably a couple months after that. So, Tell me what kind of surgery that you had. I had what they call a tram. Uh, basically, they take uh, all the fat, which I thought I had a lot of baby fat, <laughs> from down, uh, you know, from the pelvic area to about your belly button, and they bring all that up, and they make boobs out of it. Um, so uh, they took a tiny, it's called a tram flap, because they take about um, an inch or so square of muscle to bring the blood vessels up to supply the, the, um, the flap. So. so you had a double mastectomy? Yes, I had a double okay. mastectomy. <laughs> so you kind of jumped forward. I just wanted Sorry. to make sure. That's okay. That's okay. So what happened after that? After that, um, really nothing else. I mean, we basically, after I had my surgery and recovered from surgery, um, I didn't need to have radiation or anything like that. So I just basically met with my oncologist um, several times, well, a couple times in the first, maybe it was like every four months in the first year and then then twice. And then, and then basically up at five years out, we decided that I really didn't need to come back to her anymore because I really didn't want to. <laughs> I felt like that page in my life was over. So, but they say at five years, you are considered cancer free. Yes. So, yeah. So tell me about how it impacted your marriage, how it impacted you as a mother. Well... <laughs> Um, I think that it was probably very stressful on my husband. Be, be, first of all, one of the things that I didn't allow anybody in my family to do was to feel sorry for me. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I personally couldn't handle pity. I didn't want people to take pity on me, and I didn't want people to feel sorry for me. Unfortunately, when you have a family as loving and as caring as mine, I found that I found all this out after the fact. Um, that was really hurtful to them. <laughs> oh, no. Yes. Because um, they wanted to be there for you. Yeah, they didn't. I, I didn't allow them to grieve, and it was because I couldn't handle it. Um, but uh, afterwards, my mother and my husband both told me that they wished that they would have been a little bit allowed to grieve around me. Um, so any advice I would love to give? <laughs> Please allow your family to grieve, even if it's something that you feel like you can't handle. It's something they may need to do. Um but also, I mean, just being a mother of two very young children, I mean, my, my oldest daughter was about two. My youngest was four months when I got diagnosed. You can't stop. You know what I mean? No, you can't. You cannot stop. You just have to keep going through everything, you know. Um, keep moving forward. Yes, keep moving forward. <laughs> I, I couldn't just take a break from life because uh, I had cancer. Uh, in fact, one of the things that I specifically remember was when I would meet with my doctor's I did not want to know the mortality rate because I didn't care. 
I really did not care. I basically said, this isn't going to kill me. I'm not, I'm not being taken away today from this. I'm going to be here for my daughter's weddings, graduations. I'm going to be here for the rest of my life, you know, my natural life. So I don't want to know if this is going to kill me because I know it's not right there. (laughs) Well, it's, not a bad thing. It's not mm-hmm. like you don't want to know. It's the fact that you don't want that negativity mm-hmm. to, to be in your head is the way that I kind of viewed it even with my own health struggles. Right. I'm also a big believer in, um, you know, it, your body is a, is, is basically you, you're, you know, you have, I can't think of the words I want to use. <laughs> It, you, you basically, you know, your mind can, can do a lot of things with your body. You know what I mean? So if you, if you are in a negative way, you, yes. your, your, your recovery is not, even like when I was getting chemo, one of the drugs they give you is something called adriamycin. It's called the red devil. Um, oh, nice. <laughs> no, it is. It's terrible. <laughs> um, even to this day, thinking about that medication, you know, I would have to think about it as medicine because if I thought about it in any other way, I would have to think about it as strong medicine because it would make me sick to even watch it going in my vein. Uh, and it was, it was all mental. It was not, it, it wasn't anything but mental. So even to this day, thinking about that redness going into my vein makes me a little nauseated. <laughs> but there is a lot of research that says that your mentality, whether it's positive or negative, definitely impacts how your body reacts to anything that it goes through, any kind of trauma, any kind of pain. Mm -hmm. So I'm with you. I'm all about keeping that positive attitude. So I know that this is also related to a gene, a specific gene. And so tell me how you learned about that part of your story. Well, um, probably about... I didn't want to know about the genetic thing right away, although I had I have an older sister who really wanted me to be tested. She is actually a very learned individual. She went on to become a nurse practitioner, um, and she is kind of the book smart one of the family, and she just really wanted to know. She wanted knowledge, you know, um, but at that time, I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't do that at that time. Uh, I just, I just was trying to get through, you know, the mom thing and still working and, uh, but anyways, long story short, um, I didn't have resources at the time through my doctor's office to have the genetic testing done. Um, and then a few years after I had recovered, they had a uh, genetic counselor come into their office and that's how I ended up getting genetically tested. The cost of that time was around $2,000. Thank God my insurance covered all of it. Um, and once they, basically tested me. They found out that I had BRCA1. Um, and from there I could get that, um, result to my siblings and then they could be tested if they wanted to, which would cost them about $500 because it was something called a single site analysis as opposed to a comprehensive analysis. So that enters Bernadette's story. (laughs) So you were tested yeah, so so all all of us, there's four of us in total. We had uh, three girls and, and a brother, and we all ended up with the, the BRCA gene mutation. And um, I learned it, oh gosh, I was probably about, I don't know, 28 years old when I found out I had the mutation. And I was encouraged by my family to do prophylactic surgery uh, to, you know, so that I would never end up with cancer. So and what does that mean? Uh, so basically getting the bilateral mastectomy before you're ever diagnosed with cancer. So a preventative Mm -hmm. 
rather yeah, than a reactive. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, which, um, you know, our, our sister actually did that. Okay, uh, your older sister. Mm-hmm. And, but I, I didn't want to. That's a, it's, that's a, that's a hard decision. Uh, I would agree. for somebody in their late 20s, early 30s, um, I, I always said, I'll do it eventually. I'll do it eventually. Well, uh, when I was 36, I still hadn't done it. And, uh, but, but I was getting, um, checked. I was getting mammograms every year and MRIs every year. So every six months I was getting some kind of screening. Mm -hmm. And in February of 2016, right after, uh, we had a girl's trip to New Orleans, the time of our lives in New Orleans. (laughs) And then I come back and I, I go and get this MRI and. Uh, they they called me back in said that, you know, they thought they saw something, so they did a biopsy, and then I found out at work that I that it was positive, that I had breast cancer. Wow. So how did you feel knowing that you waited and then you ended up having breast cancer? I mean, that I, that's playing Russian roulette. And I understand why. I mean, I can't imagine willingly going in and having a bilateral mastectomy. I, I totally understand. Mm-hmm. And I guess I'm just, what were your thoughts at that point when I, you got the diagnosis? I kind of, I kind of always knew that I would end up with it. I always knew I would end up with it. So I was kind of kicking myself that I, that I didn't. Brenda, Brenda's holding back laughter. Why are you holding back laughter? She's like, I always knew I'd end up with it. She just wants to follow in my footsteps. Everything she does. My whole life. She's wanted to follow in my footsteps. That's so true. <laughs> Part of that, though, this is not, not something that you no, follow no, in no, your no. older sister's that's, footsteps. That's not why I knew I would always get it, but that is kind of funny. No, I just, uh, I, I just always had this feeling that I would get it eventually. So the fact that I never got the prophylactic I mean I yeah I was kicking myself absolutely I, I, I felt like you know I'm so stupid why didn't I why didn't I do that but you know you never know and then no, I knew you don't if I if I had I would have always been like well what if I never would have gotten cancer was it did I have to do this so it's there's no winning in that situation no there's not there's <laughs> not so tell us about the treatment that you underwent after that diagnosis um so I you know, I went and saw an oncologist, and she recommended chemotherapy. Um, so I did that from April of 2016 until August of 2016. Uh, during that time, they my my hair started falling out. So mm-hmm. went and uh, I actually went to this women's center at the hospital, and they shaved my head. And and well, first they fitted me for a wig, and when the wig came in. Went in, had my head shaved, gave me the wig. It looked just like my hair. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I continued with my chemo treatments. And then I had um, bilateral mastectomy in September of 2016. And then radiation in December of 2016 to, no, no uh, November 2016 to January of 2017. Okay. And then I went back in December of 2017 and had uh, another reconstruction. Okay. So I, I don't know enough about medicine to know. Was yours 
different in size or composition than Brenda's, and that's why you did radiation and she didn't? Mine was actually smaller. Interesting. It was, I was only stage one. They caught it really early because I was getting those screenings every mm-hmm. six months. Thank goodness. Uh, it was my choice. Okay. They told me I, I could do radiation or I could not. Of course, they always recommend it because they always want to recommend the, the uh, you know, most... Uh, aggressive uh, aggressive <laughs> yes the most aggressive form of treatment uh but i i was like give it all to me you know i i, I want to make sure that this never comes back i was so. opposite i just was like once i knew after the surgery that it never made it into my lymph nodes i decided that i didn't need a radiation and i don't know if that's because i'm more medical or whatever but i was just kind of like i don't see the benefit of it so i mean i just decided not even to go that path <clears throat> Well, and that's fair because each journey is different. And Mm -hmm. so you have to go with what uh, works best for you. Mm -hmm. So because you have children, tell me um, what the plan is going forward for your girls. Well, again, I said that my oldest sister has already had her daughter tested. Um, I have talked to my kids about it. We have agreed that I'll let it be their decision whenever they want. I don't feel the need to burden my children with a decision that will make them anxious about having to cut off a body part in the future. Sure. I would prefer to let more um, research come out and hopefully, like I just read somewhere, that they just found some kind of an antibody now that, that actually attacks cancer cells. You know, I'm like, oh, my God, wouldn't that be wonderful? You know, so uh, I, I, just, I just didn't want them to have to worry about that. But they have the option to, I figured, like, after 18, maybe before they go to college, maybe that would be a good time because we know with the BRCA gene, unfortunately, when you drink heavily, <laughs> you um, basically are at more risk for developing cancer. Um, Somebody, my sister actually explained it to me in this way. She said, normal cells have certain um, layers of protection um, and a BRCA gene causes your cells to like have less layers of protection. So every time you get some kind of antioxidant, whether it be like, um, you know, alcohol or smoking or just being obese or you know what I mean just just kind of anything that attacks that cell you just have less of a protective covering around it which causes it to mutate does that make sense yeah it does okay. absolutely <laughs> and, so, and I respect your decision because I do think that things change every single day as far as treatments and by the time that they get to be 18 or older that's a good time for them to say hey I mm-hmm. do want to do this or I don't and mm-hmm. and I think that's wonderful that you're not putting a lot of stress and pressure on them because that certainly wouldn't be something as a teenager that you would want hanging over your head and, and worrying mm-hmm. about. So Yeah, I think, uh, well, with the, when people go to college and they drink like fish sometimes, <laughs> maybe you might want to know that before you go to college. <laughs> maybe. So, Bernadette, tell me some things that you learned during your journey about yourself, about your health, about life. This is, um, going through cancer definitely taught me that I'm stronger than, than I ever thought that I could be. I, I'm resilient. What do you mean by that? Well, because it, it's tough on your body. It's tough on your mind. It's, it's tough emotionally. Yeah. You, you really do need to be an emotionally strong person to get through this. And if you're not an emotionally strong person, you you it kind of makes you an emotionally strong person kind of have to step up to the plate yeah to to have to 
and go through everything to, to make the decision to get the the mastectomy to look at yourself after after surgery and and I mean you need to look at it you need to look at it with a positive light like hey this is these are scars because I survived something yes. I this isn't something like totally negative that happened to me and and I and I don't look at it as a negative in fact like in my professional life I think it kind of helped me which is kind of weird um but you're gonna have to unpack that <laughs> <laughs> well so I I worked all through chemo I, I work in a corporate setting uh and I went to work every day uh except for two days after my chemo treatments and my management knew that those days were going to be really rough and they allowed me to stay home on those days they They felt that way yeah they told me throughout if you need to take time off go ahead I said no I I think working helped me through it Mm -hmm. and um the fact that I handled it so well like my my management everybody knew that needed to know uh I handled that well so they saw what I was capable of and uh, and it ended up giving me the, the job of my dreams, you know, where I actually get to travel the world a little bit. And Yeah, I'm a little jealous when I see that, when you post about that. <laughs> I'm a little jealous, I have to admit. It is a blessing. I, I don't even know. I, I, I question myself, what did I do to earn, earn this? And part of it was my job, my work ethic. But, but I, you know, I, I think that dealing with cancer and in the way that I did helped them to see the type of person that I am. In the face of adversity, you didn't crumble. Mm-hmm. You yeah. fought hard. Yeah. That's wonderful. And Brenda's over here shaking her head. So what <laughs> did, what did you learn? Um, I learned to keep moving forward. Um, I also worked, uh, throughout my chemo and everything. I was lucky that I was working something called PRN or per diem. So I didn't have any kind of a set schedule or a full-time schedule where I had to be to work like three times a week or anything like that. I was able to pick up shifts whenever I wanted, um, which helped with being able to raise my children, but also helped with being able to work throughout all this. Um, and the people I worked with were very protective. They basically would not allow me to take anybody with any kind of infectious illness. <laughs> He was like, here, take that chest pain over there. <laughs> <laughs> don't, Here's a don't, paper don't cut. take the guy with the flu. <laughs> yeah, that guy's got the flu and a cough, you're not going in that room. Uh, they were they were really, really wonderful. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, I basically could, I couldn't stop. I mean, the other thing is, I don't know why you'd want to, because in all reality, who wants to sit around thinking about their mortality? It's like, just get on with life. You know, this is just something happening to you. It's a zag. Yes, <laughs> it is. A yes. Or a zag. <laughs> it is. And so that's why you got to keep moving forward. Yes, I exactly. see you're stealing my tagline. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no, I'll happily share it. I'll happily share it. <laughs> so just as a recap, tell us what your one takeaway is, Bernadette. My one takeaway is... Uh, you're stronger and more resilient than you ever thought you were. Yes. And we know yours is? Keep moving forward. You just got to keep going. Um. Excellent. So, listeners, I have had so much fun with these ladies. I got to keep this conversation going. Join us on an outtake of the Zigzagging One podcast where we're going to do a video, a short video, but I've got some additional questions that I want to ask these ladies. So make sure you join us for that. 
And when life zigs and zags, and you know it will, remember what these ladies said. You are strong and resilient, and you need to keep moving forward. Don't you just love their attitudes? When Bernadette said, I look at my scars in a positive light because they mean I survived, I envision one of you listening that needed to hear that perspective. Scars do not mean you were defeated. They mean you survived. My time with the Survivor Sisters flew by. So we transitioned to my office to share a few hilariously funny things that happened during Brenda and Bernadette's journeys. You can catch the video outtake on my YouTube channel at Melanie Brown. Until next time, keep moving forward. <laughs>